If you feel it, you know it. D-Raw Productions. Sports Talk with D-Raw. What's up, people? I am so hyped today, man. Today is Tuesday, and we in H-Town, and you already know what that means. It's the Astros Day, baby. Go, go Strolls. You already know. Hey, the Houston Astros, we out here in H-Town taking on ATL. We finna beat these Braves, and we gonna t- kick ass and take names like we have been doing. But you gotta wonder if the pitching gonna step up, because, you know, last series was talking about how you know, the pitching wasn't stepping up for the Astros. Luis Garcia came through. Framber Valdez came through. Everybody stepped up when they needed to, and they pulled off the W for the series against the Red Sox. So you have to question, can the Astros do the same exact thing tonight and throughout the series? Now, for those who don't know, you know, the Astros and Braves have plenty of history against each other from when the Astros was in the National League. Um, Matter of fact, the Braves had got their first pennant against the Astros in 99 in the Astrodome. Very disappointing. But the Astros struck them back, back in, I think, 04. And we went to the World Series going through the Atlanta Braves. So, you got to wonder, man, can the Astros step up and get their second World Series championship? You know, I know there's a lot of haters out there riding on the Astros. You know what? And um, they got to just step up, prove all the naysayers wrong, but also do it and show everybody that the Astros are the best team in baseball and they're very, very good. You know, because there's a lot of people out here that keep saying that the Astros are cheating and the Astros are doing this and the Astros are doing that. But they act like their team don't cheat. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about dynasties out here that cheated their whole way through. And y'all want to talk about the Astros. A lot of y'all ain't got no place to talk about the Astros, okay? So, you got to wonder, who are you going for? Are you pulling for the Astros or are you pulling for the Braves? Now, series predictors say... Astros and seven, Astros and seven, Astros and seven. One guy say Braves and seven, Astros, Astros, Braves. Everybody say that this series is going to go six or seven games. Now understand this. This will be one hell of a World Series. I don't think it will be the repeat of 2019 for the Astros because shit like that just doesn't happen where you're just only winning on a in away games and stuff like that, which was real crazy to me. And I just don't know what was going on, but you know, they had, they had the big cheating scandal behind their back at the time as well. But my thing is how am I cheating? If I'm at sure field, you know, it just don't make sense. But anyways, um, 
I'm rolling with my Astros. I'm not being biased. I just think the Astros have a tad bit better of a lineup. Don't get me wrong. Braves got a hell of a lineup too. And I think if our pitching steps up the way they did in the series against the Red Sox, we definitely got a chance to win it all. You know, um, I don't think there's nothing holding us back. Now, who do I think the MVP of the series will be if the Astros win? I'm going to ride with Correa. I'm going to go with Correa. I think Correa is going to step up big. He's going to prove that he's one of the best players in baseball once again. And he's going to prove that he's out to get paid. So I'm riding Correa coattails. And I think that's who's going to who's gonna do big things for the Astros in this, in this series for sure. But a young breakout star for the Astros, I think it will be Kyle Tucker. I think Kyle Tucker will make more amazing plays on defense than we expect him to because he's not really known for his defense. He's more known for his hitting, but I think he's going to make some good plays on defense out in the outfield that opens our eyes to see that Kyle Tucker has a bright future for the Astros. I'm also hoping that Jordan continues his hitting streak and he continues to just dominate against the Braves. But now one thing I will tell you, the Braves have a nice pitching core. They have nice guys in their pitching uh, bullpen, you want to say, Charlie Morton and, and more. I mean, uh, many players that, you know, you wouldn't expect to be so good. But these guys got a, a rotation trio. I mean, you got Max Fry, you got Ian Anderson, and you got Morton. So you have to be ready for what the Braves are going to throw because they definitely got the pitching. So this is going to be a game that's about scoring. It's going to be very offensive, but you have to have the pitching because if you don't strolls, not in this one, you're not going to win it. And that's that's the total honest truth. Now, what I do look forward to is seeing one of these pitchers that um, the Astros had traded for stepping up, you know, maybe like Kendall Graveman or someone, you know, stepping up and, and playing big, giving us a, a performance that we were not expecting and just going out there and proving that they have what it takes to be a winner. That's all. Just a winner, man. Win four games and we end we, and we done with these boys straight up. Now, one player you got to watch out, one former foe is Jock Peterson. Every game he's going to bring it. He might not be swinging his best right now, but he's very clutch right now. And those clutch hitters are the ones that be game killers. So we got to watch out for Jock Peterson. But hey, honestly, man, I'm going to take the Strolls in six. Strolls got four. Braves got two. And... I think the Strolls going to win a day, probably lose game two, win game three and four, lose five and win six. Sound like a deal, right? I hope I got my math right on that. Ain't no mathematician. But hey, let's go Strolls. Moving on, people. You already know who we got to talk about. We got to talk about them old sorry-ass Texans, man. Man, it was another disappointing week. 31-5. to Arizona definitely covered the spread. Remember, the spread was like 17. It actually had increased to like 20, and they still covered it. What a ridiculous outing for the Texans. Um, 
Cardinals came out there, man, and they actually started off slow. Texans looked good in the beginning. Texans got a safety. It was 2-0 in the first quarter. Second quarter, Texans come in. They get downfield, but all they good enough is for a 53-yard field goal. So it's 5-0. So I'm saying, okay, Texans trying to compete today. Then, not long before anything really get going for the Texans, DeAndre Hopkins get a touchdown pass, and he get his redemption on the Texans. Oh, and let's not forget all the things that happened in the game. Matter of fact, let's just go ahead and take a deep dive because you know you got to know what happened in this game. So, Davis Mills, 23 for 32, 135 yards, no TDs, no picks. He got sacked twice. Matching up against Kyler Murray. Murray had went 20 for 28, 261 yards, three TDs, one pick, and he got sacked four times. Well, voila. One thing I can tell you, the problem for the Texans is not the defense. It's the offense. David Johnson, seven carries, 25 yards, no touchdowns. Mark Ingram, six carries, nine yards, no touchdowns. Phillip Lindsay, two carries, eight yards, no touchdowns. Trash, trash, and trash. Arizona rushing. Let's look at it. Chase Edmonds. 15 carries, 81 yards, no touchdowns. James Conner, 10 carries, 64 yards, one touchdown. Kyler Murray, 6 carries, 10 yards. We were sacking them. Jonathan Ward, 1 carry, 7 yards, no touchdowns. Eno Benjamin, 2 carries, 7 yards, no touchdowns. And so on and so on, no touchdowns. But they had one, one more than the Texans had. Moving on, offensive receiving. You got to look at the Texans receiving now. Now, Nico was targeted five times. He had two receptions. He had 28 yards receiving. Now, as you know, that David Davis Mills only had 135 yards passing. So, Brandon Cooks had seven targets, five receptions, 21 yards. David Johnson, he stepped up in his receiving game. He had five receptions for six targets, 27 yards. The rest of them really not worth talking about. Oh, Danny Amendola, old ass. Three receptions, 17 yards, five targets. You telling me Anthony Miller couldn't do that? You telling me some young bum off the street couldn't do that? Come on, Amendola, this is trash. So, Zach Ertz for Arizona now we looking. Three receptions, 66 yards, five targets. A.J. Green, old in a motherfucker. Three receptions, 66 yards. Three targets. Oh, Zach Ertz had a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins, seven receptions, 53 yards, nine targets, one touchdown. Christian Kirk, four receptions, 50 yards, one touchdown, five targets. He got four out of five. Sound good to me. Hey, what I'm trying to prove to y'all is that the Texans offense is the problem. It's the Texans offense. In it's what they're drawing up. It's not even so much the players. In a way, it is. It's, it's, it's the line. It's the offensive line, number one. But the players are getting open. They're catching a the ball, obviously. If Brandon Cooks can get five receptions, David Johnson can get five receptions, and he played wide out. Um, Nico had two receptions, and Mark Ingram had receptions. Manny Amendola, Jordan Akins, 
Farrell Brown, if all these guys can get the ball and they're getting targeted several times and Mills is not missing that many times, that tells you that it's the play calling. It's the play calling from the ground up. Play calling. And you got to look at Tim Kelly. You got to look at Davis Mills. I mean, not Davis Mills. You got to look at David Cully. And you got to question them and see what the hell are they doing over there at NRG Stadium week in and week out. Like, understand that the team don't have a lot of talent. But they obviously have enough talent to be competitive. Because the defense is not the problem. It started looking like it's the defense because the offense is going three and out, three and out, three and out. When do I have enough time to really catch my breath? After a while, the depth runs low. So everybody tired. And then, like I said, we don't have a lot of talent. So it's not like good depth, you know? So you got to look at all of that. All of that plays a role in what the Texans are putting out on the field. It's the coaching, man. It is the coaching. And I hate to say it, but David Cully is he just he's not a good coach. He doesn't have the capacity to be a fucking coach. I keep saying that. And it's him, man. You can't blame Lovey Smith because Lovey Smith is doing his job. Romeo Cornell is sitting up in the box and they're doing their job. Tim Kelly and David Cully is at fault. Now, unless somebody else is calling the plays on offense like Jack Easterby or something, them two guys are at fault. And I'm going to tell you something. Jack Easterby is a snake. Before he leaves this organization, before they finally get rid of him, he will take down David Cully. He will blame David Cully for everything he can possibly blame him for. And then he'll bring in another coach. And then they'll fire Nick Casario. And he will still be there. This guy is a clown. He is a snake. He is the demon's baby. Devil's baby. He's not a good guy. As much as he want to preach the Bible to this team, he's not a good guy. He's a snake. You know, the devil was in heaven at once. And he turned out to be an evil motherfucker, right? And I'm sorry to say it, but this is Easterby. This is why good people don't want to be around him. They don't want to be surrounded by his negativity and by the culture that he so-called is building over there at NRG Stadium. This guy is horrible. They need to get it together, man. This is just garbage. I mean, on the defense, it's potential. Yeah, we, we got some players that need to be replaced, but you can't blame them. By the way, J.J. Watt, he didn't get no sacks. He got a tackle for a loss, though. And he got he got banged up in that game. And you remember when I was talking about what was going to happen in this game, I was right. J.J. Watt was going to do a little something here, do a little something there, and then he was going to get banged up. Now, I did say he was probably going to get a couple sacks and all that, just show up and show out, out the blue, but he didn't. He was just regular old J.J. Watt. Anyways, people, you know, next week we take on the Rams, right? And you got to wonder what kind of game plan will the Texans bring out 
for the fucking Rams. I say fucking Rams because they playing the fucking Texans. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> and I'm dropping all these F-bombs on my podcast today, man. Because that's how the Texans make me feel. So, let's go ahead and take a deep dive into this Rams and Texans game. But first. The first one is the penalties. It's been a deal with us from the start. Second thing is just eliminate the big plays. And, you know, the question is, well, how do you eliminate the big plays? Well, I mean, he was our starting quarterback. And uh, when he's healthy, he'll be our starting quarterback. And obviously they knew that. So obviously it would be a boost if he's healthy and ready to come back. And, and hopefully uh, a lot of these things that are happening right now, not because of him, but, you know, we need a lift. I'll tell you what, Houston. I'm going to tell you what the problem is. The problem is he's so inconsistent. Remember when he blamed himself? He should just keep blaming himself week in and week out because he's the problem. You know, he sit up there and talk about those penalties and stuff. Yeah, you're the problem, coach. Coach him up. Figure it out. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Most of the problems is coming from the offensive line because they're always holding. It's because they're garbage. And I don't know what the Texans are going to do about it, but, I mean, you didn't spend several picks on the offensive line. A first pick. Um, I think a third a pick. A sixth or fourth pick, a fifth pick. They just spent so many picks on this O-line, and it's really damn right terrible to even mention the fact that no one is good that they have drafted. None of them. None of them is good. I mean, I thought Titus Howard was good, but he might be solid, but he just might just be playing out of position at guard, and guard is a hard position for him to play. So they need to move him back to tackle. At least make the edges of the O-line look good and then just throw in some some craft work on the inside, you know? I don't know. But, man, they got to do something. You talk about the penalties, it's coming from the holding. You're not blocking well enough. Your offensive lineman is holding for their dear life to try to stop Davis Mills from getting cracked every time. Davis Mills is always under pressure. You complain about him turning the ball over and getting a strip sack, you know, like, I mean, he don't have no time. He can't even get into his regular drop back and get the ball out. But at the same time, that is something that they can work on Davis Mills with by getting the ball out quicker and him learning how to, you know, take one step back and then get it out quickly, especially when he know that the blitz is coming instead of trying to take two and three steps back and then sit in the pocket. It's not going to happen. But see, someone like Tyrod Taylor is the reason why he looks better in that offense because Tyrod is more mobile than Davis Mills and Tyrod is more wise behind his ears or beyond his ears, whatever you want to say, in the years that he's been there for the Texans. So with that all that being said, what has Davis Mills really did wrong? Nothing. You over here talking about Tyrod is the starting quarterback, but I really don't want to see Tyrod at this point. We're one and six. We have nothing to play for, and we're just trying to get picks, and we're trying to get the best pick that we can possibly get so we can get Thibodeau from Oregon. Come on, man. Everybody's seen that boy. He out there rushing the quarterback, 
He pushing boys down. He's stopping the run. He's stuffing everything. He a beast. That's who we getting with the first pick. They need to go ahead and lose the rest of these games this season, be worse than the Lions, and get the first pick so we can go ahead and get Thibodeau because that's our future right there. It ain't no quarterbacks out there this year, so it don't even make sense for us to go get one. And Mills looks solid enough to me to where we can go ahead and build with him and we don't really have to be looking for no quarterback right now because it's a waste of time. I mean, you really have nobody out there. Desmond Ritter is not a first-round top talent like that. Not in my eyes. Um, Corral, he's not a top talent like that. So tell me who's going to be a top quarterback because there's no one out there. It's nothing but receivers and defensive players out there, man. So the Texans might as well lose, lose, lose until they get Thibodeau, man. Really. And they need to go ahead and get this this Deshaun trade going. Oh, Carolina, I hear you interested. I don't care what your boy uh, Mike Rule keeps saying or whatever his name is, but... They definitely want Deshaun. You can't tell me that you're going to take sorry-ass um, Darnold over Deshaun Watson. Let's be realistic, man. Also, that would be close to home for Deshaun. So it sounds pretty much like right. Also, I also heard that Deshaun is finally open to going to a couple other places. Hopefully, Carolina is one of those places. I don't know why he wouldn't want to go there because, to be honest, Carolina has a nice team outside of the quarterback, which is holding them back. They have a nice team. Now, them getting Deshaun would also work out for them because, you know, Christian McCaffrey is really their offensive weapon. I mean, he's the receiver. He's the running back. He Hell, he might be even the quarterback sometime, fullback too. So Deshaun to Carolina makes a lot of sense. I don't understand why he want to go to Miami because I don't see what's so cool about Miami. I've been to Miami. Miami is just an okay place. It's nothing special. Um and his damn show not really better than Houston, but okay. Anyways, like I was saying, um, getting back to this Rams and Texans. Rams is favored to win this game by eighty five percent. Texans got a slim fifteen percent chance of winning this game. So that goes to show the Texans are yet in another battle where they have no shot. And the spread for this game is fourteen and a half points, which I do believe the Rams will cover and they will beat the Texans by. 15 or more points. By the way, they say that both teams will score 47 and a half. Yeah, I think the Texans will have three and the Rams will have 44 because I have yet to see anything out of the Texans offense that makes me believe that they're going to do anything. And they say the Texans average 14 points a game and I haven't seen them score a touchdown in weeks. So that goes to show the Texans aren't about much. But you know what? It's kind of ridiculous because the Texans might actually get two wins soon. Um, with the Jets getting um, old buddy boy that used to play for the Ravens, Joe Flacco, they might be able to beat the Jets. And then the way the Seahawks playing, they might be able to beat the Seahawks. So they, the Texans might get three wins. Uh, and they, you know... They might win five games this year somehow, man. I, I don't know. I don't see it. But at this point, it's pretty ridiculous. And it's funny to say that. I had predicted that we was going to win like seven, eight games. Ooh, was I so wrong. Anyways, did you hear about Cal McNair? He ain't too far from his father. You know, they say, man, the apple never falls too far from the tree, boy. And he's out there with some racist stuff, too. Talking about Asian people. Uh talking about how 
he got the Chinese virus and, you know, basically calling COVID the Chinese virus, saying it came from China and just, it's just wrong. You can't, you can't go out there and say those kind of things, McNair. Like, it's, when did you go to college, bro? What did you learn? You, you don't know nothing about football, but they claim that you played football. You, you always sit and play the game at home, but obviously you don't play Madden, so you don't know shit about football. You don't know nothing about owning a franchise, making trades, and just you just keep letting that damn snake take control of you, man. Anyways, let's go ahead and pass on the Texans. So, if you didn't know, I was at the Rockets game this past Sunday, and I watched them play the Celtics. Uh, damn good game. Damn good show out uh, for Jalen Green and just the rest of all of them dudes, man. I was very, very impressed in that game, to be honest and to be fair. They did uh, a lot of things I didn't expect them to do. JG played great, and he showed some great flashes of his athleticism. Man, did you see that boy dunk, bro? That was amazing. Not going to lie. It was amazing. Uh, also, in that game, Jalen Green had 30 points. Jalen Green was the leading scorer for the Rockets and for the Celtics. It was, of course, Jason Tatum. Uh, there was no Jalen Brown. Um, Jason Tatum had 31 points. Al Horford was 17. Robert Williams with two points. And Marcus Smart with eight. And Schroeder with 18 with his number 71. It was the worst number he could have picked. Um, also, they had Williams off the bench with 18. Pritchard was six and Jay Richardson was seven. They had a lot of uh, players step up for them big. And so did the Rockets. Even though the score was 107-97 leaning towards the Celtics, the Rockets showed up and showed out. And they showed that they have a lot of potential to go deep. Like I said, they might better get a late seed. I know I talked about them the first game, you know, but these these last two games, they've been showing some, some competitiveness. They've been looking better than the Texans. Like I said, though, Future bright, just not near, man. But I see it's, it's going to be very bright. Man, I, I really like the way Jayshon Tate played in this game. He had a nice play, a nice steal. He had 12 points, two steals, four assists, eight rebounds. That's playing big. And you know who I would compare him to? I compare him to Tuck. So it's future bright, but he got more offense. Daniel Tice, he did a little something-something. He had six points, one block, two assists, five rebounds. Christian Wood, 20 points. Nine rebounds. He had one steal, no blocks, but hey, he almost had a double-double. KPJ, 15 points, three assists, three rebounds. He didn't play half bad. Five for 12 from the from the uh, stripe or whatever. Um, he did pretty good, man. He did pretty good. Correction, five for 12 from the field. He went three for seven from the stripe, but he played good. Jalen Green, he was the man of the show. He was the man in the show. Even though they didn't win, he was the man in the show. 30 points, two blocks, one steal, three assists, four rebounds. Eight for 10 from the strike. Eight for 10 from the strike, man. He was hitting high percentage that day. Uh, he also took 11 of 18 shots, and he hit them. So, uh, applause to them. I'm going to tell you what the Rockets got to improve at, man. It's got to be the bench. For some reason, I really... Didn't notice that Eric Gordon was playing. He played 26 minutes, but he didn't really do nothing. He had two points. He went one for six. 
He went 0 for 3 from the three-point line, and he just really wasn't productive. And I guess this was one of his games where he showed that he's not really buying into what the Rockets is doing. But Sagoon, Alpi, seven points, four assists, four rebounds. He played good with the three steals and a block. My boy was out there balling, man. And that's who I really think going to be rookie of the year. People keep overlooking him. You know, they talking about JG. They talking about Mosley or whatever his name, Mobley. But watch out for Sagoon, man. He got that experience. He 19. He got size. He ready. And he was an MVP in his league overseas in Turkey. So you better watch out. Hey, the Rockets going to keep balling. I got mad respect for him, especially after that game. I like what I seen in that game. I know I talk a lot of crap about him, but they showed a lot of potential. And I can't be mad. I'm not expecting them to be, you know, the best team in the NBA, but I'm expecting them to show up. Matter of fact, tonight, the Rockets will be playing Dallas. They will be playing the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas is favored to win 72%. Rockets, 27%. But I think this is a game that the Rockets can kind of show up and possibly take. If they play the way they played the other night and just play better on the defensive side, they can win this game. The, pro the problem with the Rockets is, I notice, they don't close out on three-point shots. They leave men wide open. And they like to go against the grain and test it. Um, even though someone might not be a high-percentage shooter, if you just leave him open, his shot skyrockets. You know, his percentage skyrockets to a point where most likely he's going to make that shot. And the Rockets got to do better on closing out on those guys from the perimeter. But I also want them to improve on turnovers, rebounding, and just getting the ball set up in Christian Wood's hand and letting him ball out and then, you know, passing it back out and letting JG do his thing too because he's mad, mad aggressive when it comes to that paint. But I like the Rockets, man. I like what they're doing so far. Uh, keep up the good work, and let's just keep balling, baby. Moving on, we got to go on to that soccer, bro. Houston Dynamo. They lost. They lost to Austin. I don't know how they lost to this, to this sorry-ass team, this old expansion-ass team, but they lost 2-1. Um, they will be playing on Halloween, though. And they'll be taking on Colorado. Hopefully, they can show up and show out. But I tell you what, Colorado is no team to just be pushing over. But it might be a team that Houston might rise up to beat. So hopefully, Houston show up and beat Colorado. Because they need a victory. They need it bad. The Dynamo currently are 6, 12, and 14. 11th in the Major League Soccer League, and they need some improvement. Hey. That's that womp womp. You already know, baby. Yeah. Hey. This Saturday, man, SMU and U of H go heads up. U of H. They pulled it off, bro. They pulled off a good game against ECU. I mean, it was crazy. We had like a five and a half hour rain delay. You know, it was it was raining, bro, out here like bad, bad. Thunder, lightning. But guess what? We lightning our way to a win. The game went in the OT. But I want to let you know, man, 
ECU showed up and they showed out and I didn't expect them to even come close to the U of H in that game. But U of H pulled off something pretty amazing in this game, man. And OT, I'm going to skip the OT because I would never thought that on the first play of the game, we'll run the ball and run it straight to the end zone. OT, bro. First play of the uh, OT. My bad. First play of OT. Straight to the end zone. McCaskill, that boy a beast. If y'all if y'all haven't been following these freshman running backs this year, McCaskill is either number one or number two in the nation right now for what he's doing. He's playing amazing. So he's definitely nothing that you will overlook. He's out here balling and he's doing his thing. Um, Cougars pulled it off 31 to 24. They did exactly what they needed to do. They balled out and they balled hard. But did they ball hard enough to beat SMU next week? Because now Houston is 6-1. Six 6-1 and one. Six and one U of H. And we got to take on number 19 in the country, SMU, who's coming in to U of H 7-0. and oh. And guess what? You know that chant that I just played? They finna hear that all day, all game. And you know who's going to be there? Your boy D-Rock. Now, hey, they say that. SMU is a little favored by just a titty tiny little bit. 50.1% is going towards SMU and 49.9% is going towards U of H. Now, let's look at the breakdown. Who you think is really going to pull this off? And you also got to look at who played who. So I want you to know, in the last five games, SMU has played Tulane. Navy, USF South Florida, TCU, Louisiana Tech. And in the last five for U of H, we have played ECU, Tulane, Tulsa, Navy, and Grambling. So when you compare the five, SMU has played a better team in TCU. We both beat Navy. We've, we've both uh, been competitive. But now I give them, they played Louisiana Tech, but they struggled against them. But also, must I mind you, opening up the season, Louisiana Tech was a ranked team. So those are things that you got to look at. And that's one of the reasons why SMU is ranked and Houston is not. Because they both played butter schedules, but Houston's schedule was even more butter. Now, looking at points per game, so far, SMU has been averaging 42.7 points per game. U of H is averaging 36.3 points a game. But when you say points allowed, U of H only allows 17.3 points a game, and SMU allows 22.7 points a game. SMU is almost putting up, well, they're putting up 525 yards a game, and U of H is putting up 363 yards a game. So, when you do those things, it makes a difference. But I think it's going to be the U of H defense that's going to step up and show the difference in this game. Yards allowed for U of H, 277 yards. Yards allowed for SMU, 400 yards. Well, I just rounded it up, but it was 396. So you got to look at that. U of H can go in there on fire and put up a lot of points. And I'll be honest, I think this is going to be a shootout to an extent. 
But then I think U of H is going to pull it off. And I just see it. I think if Clayton Toon goes out there and ball the way he's supposed to, we'll be all right. He can't go out there being indecisive and throwing picks because Mordecai is going to play hard. Mordecai has thrown 30 touchdowns almost. And he got seven picks. Clayton Toon has 12 TDs and six picks. So there's definitely a difference there, right? The run game is pretty similar. Uh, the receiving game is almost similar. So I don't know, man. It, it really sounds like everything kind of favors S SMU. You know, as far as schedule, as far as points per game, and things like that. But defense, defense is what wins games, and that's what it's all going to fall on. But you already know, your boy is pulling for U of H, and I'm going to take them by at least 10 points because something has got to happen. Something has got to give. Somebody got to force a turnover and run it the other way in third ward, Texas, baby. So, and them Aggies got that W. They beat South Carolina, as predicted. Easy, easy matchup for them. But you know what? It's real tough going into Auburn. Well, they ain't got to go into Auburn. Auburn is coming into A&M. But it's going to be tough either way. And I think this is going to be a game where they're really going to need the 12s because Auburn is going to show up. Auburn is number 18 in the country. A&M is number 14. You got to wonder, is Calzada going to show up? Is Calzada going to play big? Who knows? Bo Nix, he's been, he been around forever, man. I, I will swear he's about 30 years old. Now, I, I don't know. But the old man been playing good this year. Well, good enough. He ain't been amazing, but he's been solid. Um, so far, he got eight TDs and two picks. Don't sound like he played a lot, right? Calzada, 12 TDs, seven interceptions. They pretty similar. Sound like they're on the same level, you ask me. So you got to wonder what's going to step up and what's going to give for these two teams. Both teams seem to have pretty solid defense. Uh, A&M lacks on the offense, but Auburn has the strength on that. A&M has the strength on the defense, um, but Auburn lacks on that. So who will it come down to be the winners in this game? Looking at the last five games, you got to match it up. A&M did beat Alabama. They beat South Carolina. They beat Missouri. They lost to Mississippi State, and they lost to Arkansas. But Auburn beat Arkansas. They lost to Georgia horribly. They, they lost to Georgia by 24 points. They beat LSU, which is not good this year. They beat Georgia State, which is a pushover. And they lost to Penn State by eight. Good games. Good competitiveness. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to take Auburn in this game. I think Auburn is going to find out a way to get the W. Because what I'm looking at is strength of schedule, who they faced, and who they didn't face. Some of these teams are pretty solid. Even though they lost you know, badly against Georgia, I think that only gives them the experience to go out there and beat A&M and knock them off. Um, but at the same time, A&M did beat. Alabama at home and for that one reason you kind of got to ride with A&M but I'm gonna go ahead and take the 35 percent chance that Auburn beats the Aggies in uh college station so let's talk about Rice man Rice pulled off something amazing they won again and they beat a good team in UAB and they beat UAB at UAB 
So this week opens up a big game between Rice and North Texas. By the way, congratulations to Rice. They're now affiliated with the American Conference. And um, they'll be taking on North Texas. Rice is now 3-4. and four. They need three more games to be bowl eligible. I've been saying that they might get to a bowl. And why not get to them by going through North Texas? Because North Texas is 1-6. Hell, I can't remember the last time North Texas was good in football. Looking at the last five, we've got to do some comparisons. Rice. Beat UAB, lost to UTSA, who's undefeated. Uh, beat USM, Southern Miss. Beat TSU, lost to UT, which is years and light years uh, ahead of Rice. They beat them 58-0. So, in comparison, North Texas, last five. Lost to Liberty, lost to Marshall, lost to Mizzou, lost to Louisiana Tech, and lost to UAB. Rice to just run up and down this team and just easily get the victory. And it's crazy to say that they think North Texas will pull off the victory. And they say that the matchup predictor says 56.5% of a chance of North Texas beating Rice at home in Houston. I disagree. Rice will win by at least three. Texas Southern taking on UAPB. Arkansas Pine Bluff, man. And this is another game for Battle of the Bands. Oh, by the way, yeah. They lost again last week, as predicted. <sighs> it's so, it's so, so tiresome to see them lose again and again. They lost to Alcorn State. But you know what? Alcorn State was a good team. Five and two. TSU one and five, so it's expected, right? Not really. You gotta pull off them upsets, man. You gotta do it, and maybe, just maybe, they can pull it off against Arkansas Pine Bluff, which I don't even know if you call this an upset. I think it's just the toilet bowl at this point because APB one and six, TSU one and five. Who can pull it off? Let's go TSU. I'm riding for you, man. I think if y'all can beat Southern. Y'all can definitely beat this team because the thing is, Arkansas Pine Bluff lost to Southern 34-7. They got beat bad by Southern. So this is a team that TSU is supposed to beat, and I look forward to seeing TSU go 2-5 and five real soon. PV still undefeated. Well, they're not undefeated. My bad. My bad, people. My bad. They beat Southern this past week, though. And this week, they'll be going out to compete again against Alabama State. Six and one PV, three and three Alabama State. I gotta ride for PV again, but you know what? Sometimes winning get too contagious where you just let up, and sometimes you 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 allow a team to slide in there and, and get the W. But there's one thing that's gonna keep riding on this team to get this victory this week: the home crowd. The home crowd of fifteen thousand will be riding for PV, and PV will figure it out this week. And get that W. So I'm riding with PV. Let's go. And then last but not least. Y'all already know what it is man. It's them undefeated Sam Houston Bearcats. That's the team that I was talking about. You know I would like to see Sam Houston and PV go against each other. Sam Houston. Go out there and get that win against Jacksonville State. Y'all already know what that mean man. 42-7. to Jacksonville State was a team that 
we said beat Florida State, right? So that makes a statement. Well, Sam Houston needs to be on the FBS level, Division One. They need to be out there competing because if Jacksonville State can beat Florida State, and I'm talking about they beat the hell out of Florida State, that says a lot about Sam Houston that beat the hell out of Jacksonville State. Sam Houston still undefeated, still balling, still doing what they got to do every week, week in, week out. It's nothing but respect for them. And next week they take on Tarleton. And Tarleton is a school that they should easily defeat. Even though Tarleton comes in at 4-3, and three, they have nothing for Sam Houston. Because I'm telling you, man, Sam Houston has taken their athletics, especially the football, to another level. And when you look at who played who and things like that, Tarleton has not played anybody on Sam Houston's level. And I would love to see Sam Houston go against PV. I would love to see Sam Houston go up against any of these other Texas schools because they are pretty great. And they've been doing this year after year after year. It's time to make them move up. All they need, honestly, they need a stadium expansion because 12,000 people are not going to get it. Put some funding into that football program, man, and Sam Houston going to be there. They're going to be balling out. I'm telling you. So, hey, I'm looking forward to Huntsville putting some money into Sam Houston University, putting some money into that football program and taking that school to another level. But I'm also looking forward to this World Series. And I got to say, people, don't forget to listen, 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 subscribe, share, and listen, listen again. Tell all your friends and family to listen to Sports Talk with D-Raw. And if you see me out in public, don't forget to scan the barcode and ask me about my podcast because I love having people on. And hey, if you need a shout out, you already know your boy D-Raw got you. I'm looking forward to the next episode and I'm looking forward to seeing the Astros get this W. Thank you for listening. Sports Talk with D-Raw.